Let the magic begin. This time on Chew Diligence, Chef Honorone Thompson. The love culture is really based on family and family meals, just kind of eating together and joking around, and that's what brings everything together. Now bringing his Laotian cuisine to Strang Hall with Honorone, named as a tribute to a lost sibling. At the time, we um, it was a, a total of seven of us. Now there's four. And the harrowing journey that brought he and his family eventually to Kansas City, refugees from Laos. This is during the uh, post uh, the uh, Vietnam War. Um, everything's just kind of chaotic. The family's getting just uh, distorted. Welcome to this episode of Chew Diligence. Lindsay Shively here with Jill Silva, and very excited to welcome to the podcast studio Anarom Thompson. Are you done? Thank you for coming in. You're welcome. You're thanks, a little, for, thanks for having me. Absolutely. A little busy gearing up for the opening of your new restaurant inside Strang Hall. Yes. Have you been sleeping? I have. <laughs> Good. We asked him, think about the favorite place you like to eat, but he's been so busy, he said. It's been tough to get out to different spots. So, If he made food like he makes food, you might not even need to go out. <sighs> Curry. Delicious. You're too kind. Thank you. No, it's... <laughs> It's superb. Superb. So um, do you want to do the food? Then yeah. I have a, then I have a story about how I discovered Anarum. Okay. First the food. Uh, yeah. I finally, finally made it to Sayachi in Brookside, our dear Yay. friend Carlos Falcone and his wife, and it was fantastic and comfortable. Yeah. And we hadn't been in a while because, um, you, you know, we were nervous of going to a restaurant with the baby at dinner time. We went for lunch. They had a high chair. It was family friendly. It's one of those things we just didn't know. They have two babies themselves, or, you know, not baby babies, but yeah. a toddler and a preschooler yep. or early kindergartner, somewhere around in that age range. So they, they get it. They get it. <laughs> not only that, she walked us to the table. She's like, this is where we seat the families. It's nice and quiet. <laughs> and the waiter said, does the kiddo eat potato? They knew what we could Aww. order off the menu. And apart from all of that, the sushi was awesome. The, uh, the potato uh, croquettes we got were delicious. It was it was all very well done and comfortable and beautiful inside. So hi, Marks. So so what did little one eat? These potato croquettes. Oh, okay. She kept wanting, uh, I will say, uh, holding uh, the sake that my husband and I were splitting, she definitely dunked her fingers in the sake, but I caught it before she did anything else with it and washed her hands, so. Oh, well, that might have <laughs> might have been a fine tasting point for her. You know, it would be a food memory years later. Right. No sake for baby. I have a friend whose daughter actually dipped her fingers right into my wine glass the first time we met. <laughs> And then licked them and ah. smiled, and I just thought, yeah, that kid's going to be kind of on the sommelier course here, you know. She, she, it was funny. They still talk about it. She's 14 now. so Right? Kids are fast. Yeah. They know, they know what's in the glass is good. That's right. <laughs> so, so what about you? Um, I actually found um, Red Tamale Kitchen. I had been there in Lenexa in the public market. Yeah. In fact, I think Anarum actually we visited together, didn't we? Yeah, we one met. Time. Yeah, we met early in the morning, and we went up staying for maybe like a good two, three hours. Yeah, I think. yeah, because we were tasting their breakfast burritos. Anyway, I found them. They're also available over at the roastery oh. on Southwest Boulevard area. And um, they're delicious. They're just delicious. So it's good to know if you can't get out to Lenexa. 
yeah, you can just grab and go. Um, so mm. very good stuff. Delightful. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful place. So, what She's about very you? friendly too. Yeah, very friendly. Alejandra. And she actually was in an event you were at recently. Yes. Um, uh, we did Teach for America uh, at the uh, Arvest um, Theater. Mm. So we did that. And um, yeah, so we kind of just you know, met up again and said hello. That was a great very group. Sweet, yep. Very sweet lady. Yeah. Great group. A lot of, um, okay, so I don't know what the word is. Ethnic restaurants? Do we like that word? Do we not like that word? How do I? Because we, we talked about this with Daryl Liu in our last podcast. That we did. They do not like that term. It doesn't, it doesn't really bother me. You know, I, I don't you know, put too much focus on that. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, it just, you know, I just make the food mm-hmm. and, you know, and pretty much uh, showcase uh, you know, who I am and what I do. And uh, kind of educate on on my culture. So. He's really good at that. And let's talk about your culture, where you're from, Laos. Yes, Laos. Uh, talk about how you came to the United States. That's a really heart wrenching story. Yeah. So uh, um, we are a refugee from Laos. We came over in 1980. Um, so basically, my mother, my grandmother, and uh, four kids. Mm. Let's include myself. Uh, so first place we lived was in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Um, that was in 1980. And so, of course, we never, uh, we came in, I think, during the uh, late late fall, early winter. So it was our first snow that we we ever seen in our lives. It's like, oh, this is strange. Wow. But, um, yeah, so we lived in Arkansas for maybe a good uh, nine months before we wound up in Kansas City. You were but, six at the time? Yes, six. Yeah. So we were in a refugee camp. So let me backtrack here um, and how we got there. Um so basically, um, this is during the uh, post-Vietnam uh, yeah, War, um, and everything's just kind of chaotic. The family's getting just uh, distorted. And um, so basically, my, my parents had uh, planned to escape, and my dad was sent to a, uh, you know, a reform camp uh, and shipped away. And my mother had, uh, you know, him and, you know, him and her had planned to escape. And finally, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, she got on a boat with uh, four other families, um, so there's about 18 people all together and uh, on a small, big, uh, flat canoe. Um, so all the men had to jump out because the boat was, you know, really sinking. And um, so they had to jump out and swim with a, with, with a canoe. Uh, so it took us about maybe an hour and a half to get across. And um, so basically from there, we made it to uh, Thailand and the border. And from there, we uh, just hid until a truck came, a bus came, picked us up. And we went to, uh, you know, Nong Kai, which is the refugee camp in Thailand. And from there, we stayed for maybe two, uh, about two years. Two years. Mm-hmm. Two years. And I can't imagine the conditions were. Yeah, it was not pleasant. We're good. Yes. And ha- so how many brothers and sisters did you have at the time? At the time, we um, it was a, a total of seven of us. Now there's four. Um, four living here. In, four living is here. Is everybody in the U.S.? Uh, except for one. The, little, uh, the youngest one is uh, she lives in Australia. So she went there on vacation, and you know, you know what happens when you're on vacation. You have a little too much fun, and things happen. She stayed. Yes. She stayed, and she had a baby. Hmm. So. so she fell in love, literally. In- well, I wouldn't say that, but yeah, we'll, we'll pretend she fell in love. So. Fell in love with Australia. Yes, she fell in love with Australia. There you go. Sorry, Nira. <laughs> I'm just thinking about how young you must have been when and you were spending that time in Thailand. How... Vivid are the memories, or are they? You you know, with the, our culture, uh, especially with the, uh, the the 
life you live and also how you're brought up, there's really a, it's it's an underdeveloped country, and uh, some people back then called it a, a third world. You know, it's a third world country, but underdeveloped is the proper term for it. And um, so basically, you, you're growing up fast, you're growing up young, uh, you're you're doing chores. So it's not uncommon for you know with the Asian or Lao culture to have a lot of a uh, lot of kids. Because who's going to take care of the farm? Who's going to take care of the parents? Who's going to do the cooking? Who's going to make it? Who's not? So, and that's and that's what happens. That's why I had three siblings, you know, passed. Um, it's all through um, just health issues. Uh, malaria was number one. Um, and you've named your restaurant for yes, it's tribute your brother to my is yes, a tribute. yes. Uh, so Anasun is uh, a tribute to my uh, middle brother. So I got an older brother that's you know, he lives here in Overland Park. And uh, so basically, the uh, it's honestly would have been probably I think I'm guessing maybe forty six, forty seven, right now. So I'm forty four, mm-hmm. uh, and my oldest brother is uh, he's forty eight. Mm. And what did Anderson? He did not ever come to the United States. No, no, he he. So the with with Anderson, um, when my mom, my mother was a very young mother, and. Um, we had uh, left uh, Vientiane, the capital city of Laos, uh, to go, during these hard times to go to, our, you know, to the farm. And so she packed the family, went to the farm, and uh, she was living out in the farm with uh, you know, our, our group of people. And um, so she went out foraging, and um, she, uh, the other mothers asked, could we give your son this? You know, it's not uncommon for us to have insects. Uh, you know. So she um, said, yes, go ahead. But she didn't realize it was an unfamiliar bug that no one knew about. So, you know, they cooked that up and, uh, you know, he ate it. And, you know, basically that's what, you know, he died from. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that a, yeah, it's very sad. But a nice tribute. Yes. To continue yes. his name like that. I think so. I yeah. I think so. So when you got to the U.S. and you land in Kansas City, it must have been just mind-boggling for you. Or as a six-year-old, do you just sort of fit in. I don't know how that works. You know, it feels like you would you would have some culture shock going on. But most most definitely culture okay. shock culture shock was uh, number one. Um, okay. but Snow luckily, to start. Yes. <laughs> need a I'd, coat. Yes. Need a coat, yes. You, you know. Can't wear shorts. <laughs> but no, I remember my, my cousin um had uh, met us at the airport and our sponsors and um yeah so basically uh, we had coats and I remember seeing that uh, he handed me I, vividly. I remember the first thing I saw that he handed me was a, a dime. Because here's a U.S. money. Hmm. <laughs> I looked at that and I went, "Okay." <laughs> Do you even have a concept of what that no, was? No, no. <laughs> it was no. just a nice trinket. <laughs> yes. So, what brought uh, the family from Arkansas to Kansas City? So, with with Arkansas, we didn't have uh, yeah family there. They're just our sponsors and um, uh, all of our siblings. Her, my mother had uh, you know. Two sisters, one brother, and they're all in Kansas City. Mm. So she packed up the family and to be closer to them and you know, find the bond ship again. And then talk a little bit about what happened to your dad and your mom. Um, so during this time when my, my father was sent to uh, you know, the reform camp, and it's with, with the Lao culture, it's, you know, they, we are the type of people, our famous saying is Bo Bin Yang. And it's just like, yeah, don't worry about it. It's, you know, no worries. It's like no worries, kind of, you know, or it's our lifestyle. It's a big saint for us. So, uh, you know, with, with uh, both my parents, my mom was in a refugee camp this time, and she's now coming to the U.S. They always wrote back to each other and uh, corresponded back. 
and it was very mutual for them to move move on. So they, you know, basically said, "Let's you start a new life, I'll start a new life." So he met a woman, remarried, and I have two beautiful, you know, stepsisters uh, or half sisters. Sorry, um, and of course, my mother met my American father in in uh, uh, Olathe, Kansas. He was giving English lessons, and of course, they uh, they kind of just hit it off and. Yeah, they went a couple of dates, and next thing you know, he uh, you know, adopted all of us and got married, and and that's how my, I got the last name Thompson. Hmm. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun story, but talk about what that was like, too. Now you have this American dad. So how do you, you know, how does a family, a bicultural family, start to build a new family? It's my mother. It's hmm. it's all about mom. You know, the, the uh, when you have a Laotian mom or Lao mom, she is pretty much your your yeah your pride and joy. She's everything, and uh, she's the one that holds everything together. Um. So yeah, it's yeah it, it was it was a different transition because I remember with um, with us not having a father, uh, we were living in different uh, yeah in yeah different areas of the city uh, in KCK and you know it was wasn't very pleasant areas. So it's you could say it's it was in the projects, you know, you could say that. Um but yeah, we you know, when we moved to Olathe, you know, we you know, just everything started falling falling together, you know, when he she met him and they kinda of fell in love and changed her life uh, you know, tremendously. Um, you know, giving us opportunities we never had would have had. Were you a teenager? No, I was um let's see. I wanna say I was about probably around uh maybe nine, mm. eight, nine about nine. Yeah, eight or nine around there. It's got, they got married in a, uh, 1984. So. What was it like? Did you find yourself identifying more with your identity in America or with your Laotian family or both? That's, or? A, that's a good question because, you know, through that, you know, when you're that young and you, you you look at your father, it's like, okay, this Caucasian man and my mom, it's like you have all these thoughts going through your head. Um, luckily, you know, sports was a major thing that I really got into and I was really good at it. And, yeah, um, I traveled a lot and did a lot of, uh, soccer, of course, was a major thing. Um, but yeah, as I got, as I got older, that's when it got a little more complicated. Yeah. I was, I got along with everybody. Uh, everything was great, but something was missing inside. You know, you know, it basically is like, you know, the identity. It's like, who, you know, who am I? What is, you know, what am I all about? But uh, you know that that changed um, in in my twenties. So basically, uh, it was the first time we went as a family back to Laos, and my first time ever land foot back in Laos. And uh, I was, I think, I was twenty one. And um, so I met my um, biological father for the first time, and that was a tearjerker. So of course, you can only imagine. And it's you know we've we spent hours and hours just sitting talking, and um, you know, but it, it just. It, it dawned on me and hit me, and I felt a completeness, a sense of complete, a completeness, and I, you know, I had put so much pride in me after that because I figured it's like okay, this is who I am, you know. And that, you know, me and my biological father was meeting a, a friend, and it's like so the, you know, the, my American father, you know, who I consider my my father, when they raised me, gave the opportunity, um, but yeah, you know, meeting a friend, and I have two dads, so it's it's a beautiful thing. You recognize things in yourself that you didn't realize were so much like your dad when you met him, your biological dad. So, some of our features, mm-hmm. yes, some of our features. But yes, he's a very petite man, 
um, I would say he's probably about five, um, maybe five six, and he's probably about a buck thirty, buck twenty. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, when I go back, it's like we're, we're like giants, you know, because our body structure is different, um, and we're just, we're just, you know, my brother and I are just pretty, you know, pretty big guys compared to the you know, low, low, uh, you know, stature. Do you go back pretty often? I've been back now five times. Um, the second time I went back was with my wife when, uh, you know, for our honeymoon. So we spent about three weeks there. And uh, she and I had a, had a wonderful time. Hmm. Uh, she loves it. And uh, she's been back now, I think, uh, you know, uh, about three times total, I think. Hmm. And you have a son. Yes, I have a son. And he's been back too. Yes, he's yes. been back twice now. Okay. Excuse me. And how old is he? He is 11 years old. Okay. So what, is, what does he think about visiting Laos and the family in Laos? Well, you know, we went back. Um, the first time he went back was for uh, my sister's. Uh, they had a, a Lao wedding. So my sister Vera Thompson and her husband now, Michael Faust. So we went back there as a, as a group and a family. And uh, so we had a lot of uh, large parties with us. Probably a group of 20, probably, just, you know, basically in, in this group of going there and and having a uh, traditional Lao wedding. Hmm. So um, we went back there, and that was my, my, my you know, Champa's first time. My son's name's Champa, and he's named after my grandfather. And uh, so basically it's the uh, Champa is, change the subject here, is, uh, you know, the national flower of Laos, hmm. the, the plumeria. So, and also my grandfather was a, a, a wise medicine man. Of Laos, so he really? was very yes, very renowned, and uh, he did a lot of Eastern medicine. And um, to give the story, I, you know, I mean, it's another tear jerker I had going on too with <laughs> with that. It was just unbelievable. It's just the the feeling I had when I met his apprentice. So I'll get to that later here. Um, but no, so we you know going back, um, you know, was there for Michael Faust and uh, Vera's wedding, and and for those who might say, be wondering, Michael Faust the... is the black sheep. Diner yes. owner. Yes. yes. They yes, are related. Right. <laughs> yes, we are related. <laughs> Hello, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> and former True Diligence guest. A- absolutely. Farmhouse. Yeah. Oh, what a small world of yes. city food. Well, we, we had a big laugh when I was on Better Can't City Live uh, <laughs> the week after Michael was on there before, <laughs> a week before me. <laughs> you guys so were just a, following yes, each that was, other that was a big laugh that around. You're speaking of food. Um, did your mom cook growing up? My mom always cooked. Yeah. Yes. And she comes back into, you know, the States and it's like all the kids, we kind of huddle one together. It's like, yeah, because we want mom's cooking. Hmm. And so we always get together and we're, you know, I'll go there as, you know, at least, you know, every day if I could. I'm going to say hi to her and just, you know, see what she's doing and hanging out with her and getting some food. What's the dish? What's the dish that's the memory? You know, it's just, it's not the dish. It's just her, her cooking. Hmm. That's 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 what makes it, and um, basically just it's the Lao culture is really based on family and family meals, just kind of eating together and joking around, and that's what brings everything together. Yeah. Um, but shall I get back into the uh, you know where the, the <laughs> where uh, we went back uh, during the honeymoon from with my wife, we went back to Laos. We were visiting Vieng Chan and um, walking through this uh, kind of a pharmacy. Um, we could call it pharmacy, but um, it's so basically it was a um, a, a like a, a shaman, and so she walked us through, and I asked my wife, I went, "Do you feel this energy?" I mean, it's like nothing unlike it, and um, 
she felt it too. But uh, it was just, you know, the warmth, the comfort, and it's just these, you know, it's really you know, just positive injuries come around everywhere. And finally, this, uh, you know, the woman that owned the place had told us, she goes, yeah, I'm the last of your grandfather's apprentice. And, you know, so basically that's, I, I, I basically my heart just dropped after that. I knew, I went, I knew I felt something. But yeah, so that's always a big memory on me going back. So I, I, I think this might be a really good time for me to tell that story of how I, I stumbled onto meeting Amram the very first time. I was driving home from the Star, and I-35 was completely packed with traffic. So I decided to go Southwest Boulevard, and I'm going down the road, and all of a sudden I see over in the little piggy lot, I see some activity. Of course, my my car just steers there because you know I like <laughs> I like food trucks. See a crowd. I see. Well, there wasn't even a crowd. No, there wasn't a crowd. It's just you know, it was just five-ish or I don't know, six o'clock. It, there wasn't a lot. There weren't a lot of people there. But I pull in and I step up to the window and um, I'm like, "What kind of food do you have?" And he's immediately greeting me. It's not long before I'm inside the trailer and I'm learning how he's making his papaya salad and we're just, I don't know, we're just becoming fast friends. And then I brought a group and he basically spent the evening sitting with us and walking us through all the food. And I learned about Lao culture. What did I know about it? the food? I really had never experienced it before and sticky rice for the first time. And he showed me how to eat it. And um, ever since then, we've just been kind of kind of hanging out together, huh? Yes, I, I have fond <laughs> memories of that. And how, it was long, biggest, how long ago was this, you think? A couple years? Just a couple years ago, 2017. yeah. 2017. Was it? Yeah. Well, no, let's see. 17, yeah. Was it? Yeah, 17. So the, and this you're is, right, you're yeah, right. 2017. Yeah. After you've been working at Pierpont's? I, I worked with the Anderson Restaurant Group, um, so basically Pierpont's, Hereford House. I was with them for over 18, uh, 18 years. Wow. 18 years. Um, but, you know, it, it, my mind was always saying, you know, it's, we're, we're going to do something else eventually. And, um, you know, having, uh, getting married, having a, having a family, you know, I mean, uh, it's, it served its purpose in, lo- in a lot of areas. It helped us get to where we need to be until, you know, it was, my son was old enough and it, it was time to make the move. And I, I need something more um, to where I could actually uh, be myself and really enjoy what I want to do. Because I was, I was not getting younger. So, <laughs> the food truck was the first leap into this. Not necessarily, because you know, we, we we thought, you know, I, I looked long and hard for years and years, uh, brick and mortar. Uh, what what's the next step? But uh, the food truck came up, and um, I took it up for a test run, and I went, you know, this might be something cool. And so we we did that, and. Um, I think the first official gig I had was Shakespeare in the Park. Hmm. Which is a big one. Yes, yeah, it's, it's huge. Good exposure. It's, it was you know? huge, yes. And boy, did we, we knocked it out of the park. Hmm. Uh, and what was funny about that, too, is this is... Out of the park. Yes. yes. <laughs> it was also a really huge truck, which is not easy to move around. So this was not... Interim wasn't like going around town, you know, and parking on corners. It's like when he decided to move the truck somewhere like Shakespeare Fest, it required a tow truck, right? Yes, because there's no <laughs> way I was going to drive that thing around. And it's, yeah, I mean, just, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a huge 1953 Airstream, uh, Spartan Airstream, and it's uh, built to be uh, basically a, a restaurant 
and uh, more more of a um, stationary. Really? Yes, and um, that's. That's did you find st- it like that, or did you have to build it? No, no. Uh, Michael Faust actually had it built that way. And um, so basically, we, we went back to the um, the food lot and um, tried to make uh, a name and also just kind of, you know, revamp the place a little bit. Um, and we, we, we did a great job with it, uh, but we had bigger plans um, to turn that into a um, more of a stationary brick and mortar. And we were working with the city and um, the health department. But nothing never materialized like it should have, and uh, you know we just you know, and Strang Hall came up, and we said let's let's do something different now. And in between, we were doing things out at Powell Gardens, and you were doing a lot of catering. Yes. So what I did was uh, I did a lot of a house, uh, a lot of house calls, personal uh, private parties, um, weddings, especially a lot of weddings. Um, and the unique thing about us was that we would cook on site. So we're you know we're doing uh, two hundred and thirty. 270, but everything's cooked on site. And uh, they they were not just getting the uh, meat potatoes. This was actually a whole collage of varieties of apps and entrees. So it very uh, more my style of how I do things. Um, definitely, uh, you know, with uh, nothing's ever boring. So we we don't want, we we like to be kind of just push the envelope a little more and uh, kind of introduce food where they should be eaten. And you're really good. Uh, we've had several dinners together where you're really good at explaining the food to people who are a little bit unsure about how to what it'll taste like or how to tackle eating it and talk a little bit about your food what's kind of signature in fact i think you brought something in the bag there that's yes. kind of signature yes. that yes, i've I <laughs> totally fallen in love with so it's your favorite so we know it, it is my favorite and i thought Lindsay should try it too oh bless yes. you jill <laughs> yes and you thank you uh, should we get it out well, it's uh, you got to heat up the sauce. That's okay, okay. You want to get something heated. But up. we can, but we can talk about <laughs> yes. what's in there. What did you bring us? So I made uh, I made cup one for you. So uh, cup one is uh, a red curry um, bamboo shoot broth soup. Uh, what I did was add uh, smoked pork, uh, smoked pulled pork in there. Um, so it's nice, uh, very aromatic. Uh, you got the kaffir lime. You have the lemongrass, the galanga. Um, so basically, you could get this full savoriness of spice. Um, flavors um, and freshness with the um, vermicelli noodles and the herbs. The herbs and the shredded cabbage uh, with the red, green cabbage. Uh, you got the uh, long beans, banana blossoms that I, I uh, sliced down thin. And so the base that gives an earthy tone. And you got the fresh mint and cilantro. And, of course, uh, sliced peppers on the side if you want it spicier. But, yes, it's a fun eat, and it's, it's our comfort food. Oh, sounds amazing. And what is a banana blossom? I don't think I've ever had that. So banana blossom is from, of course, the banana tree. Uh, it's the bulb. Um, mm. And a lot of people think, oh, you know, we can't really eat that. Yes, you can. Because in the, the Lao culture, it's we, – we do a lot of foraging. Um, so basically lot, not all things are ripe. Look at the green papaya, for example. So that is our number one staple is, you know, we love green papaya. Green papaya salad and everybody goes bananas. Any Lao you know, person will eat. Pie salad, you'll find it at their house, uh, you know, practically in holidays, and yeah. But I have to watch how much spice he puts in mine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love it so much, but uh, let's let's be real. Laos, uh, Lao people eat much hotter food than I can handle. 
as, as we get older, yeah, it tames down very quick. Very quick. Very quick. Because I've seen my mom do it, and it's like, you know, I can't do spice anymore. I, want, I, I hear you. <laughs> spice for the young, huh? Yeah, spice for the young. That's right. Have yeah, you that's had, right. It doesn't sound like you've had to, but have you had to adjust any of the cuisine you've made to find ingredients or bring ingredients that may be similar but not quite the same? More, more or less, what I do is, you know, with, you know, I'll do one very traditional. Next, I'll do one uh, that's where, where it's more. Um, an adaptation to um, the vegans, the vegetarians. Mm. So without taking the flavor away, and you can't. You know, I mean, a lot of times I can't tell the difference because we we tweak it so well and and match it up so well that it's you know it's that good. But you've been able to get everything you need here. You have it like you've got banana the, blossoms. Yeah, yes, a problem. the Asian the Asian market. Uh, yeah, they're uh, my number one vendor. I love love those ladies down there. And then. There's sometimes things out at Powell Gardens that he can find, which is yes. always nice, too. And Powell Gardens, yes. So it, I had a good time mm-hmm. going out there and picking up, you know, hey, guess what? Green papaya. Yeah, right. And banana blossom. <laughs> you know, I was going to ask you, talking about when you were getting ready to go out on your own, you looked at brick and mortar, and then the food truck came up, and now you're going into the food hall. We have seen lately in Kansas City a lot of closures, uh, you know, some major restaurant groups having trouble and struggling, and people have been talking about a lot of that. I think it's pretty tough to pinpoint one particular reason why, but uh, was that a, an affirming decision to go into a food hall where you're not fronting all of the own investment or anything like that? No, it, it was, you know, it just happened. Uh, you know, when when the, when I walked away from that, um, that food trailer, uh, I knew that, you know, the brick and mortar is probably the next step, but, you know, how well I would go about it, because I, I definitely need something uh, really uh, year-round. Mm. And uh, you know, and after looking at the food truck, it's like okay, I can't because you know, I had different opportunities to do different things, and that also didn't work out the way it should have. Um, of you know, other business plans I had. Um, so this when when this decision was made, um, it was kind of made for me in a way. Um, when Strang Hall had uh, contacted me, but it took me uh, probably at least four and a half months to sign because I thought it's too good of a deal to be. You know, it's what's mm. what's what's going on here. But you know, it's everything was pretty much uh, legit. So, so talk a little bit about what your menu is going to look like there. Um, my menu is going to be pretty much the same way I ran my uh, my food trailer. Um, so just the introduction first. Yeah, you know, we want to get our you know our introduction in, and after that, slowly introduce you know more of a you know or, or Lao you know traditional Lao stuff in there. Um, but yeah, it's the menu is much bigger. Um, also, I could do daily specials, you know, without you know, just ha- having fun with it. So things would change up, and that's where we do our introduction of different uh, meals, different uh, menus. So give us an example of some of the things that I had, <clears throat> for instance, at the tasting that you did at the Broadmoor Bistro to introduce your menu. You had lob. I had, yes. You I had, had the curry. You, you had, had the had... chicken lop. I had the, uh, the of course, the red curry, uh, you know, noodle broth um, with the bamboo shoots. Um, I had the uh, coconut crispy rice. I didn't have that on the menu in my food trailer, but now I'm putting this on because mm-hmm. it's one of my favorites and that it's delicious. So good. It is. <laughs> is that sweet or savory? It's all the above. Ah, it's it's going to have it's going to have that, uh, and it's the the best thing about it, it's it's so light. You don't feel guilty because you're you're doing a lettuce wrap out of it, and you're eating it. And it's you know you got that um, cured pork sausage in there. You have um, of course the coconut. Um, you're going to taste the curry a little bit in there and the. Uh, Herbs of the kaffir lime, 
but yeah, it's 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 delicious. It's one of my favorite meals. And did I see that you use uh, banana leaves a lot in your wraps? Not, no, you don't. Uh, it's on certain on certain dishes. Yes, uh, with the you know. With, sometimes it's optional. I put I like to put banana leaves, uh, not banana leaves, but banana blossoms in my lap because it gives that earth, yeah, earthiness and that crunch texture that I like in there. But you also sometimes wrap the sticky rice in little packets of banana yes, leaves, right? Yes. If I'm uh, if I'm serving uh, a large amount of people, I, I, yeah, I will wrap it up in the banana leaves and yeah, just that way serve like that. And we, we will serve it like that uh, at the string hall. But also, uh, yeah. Hand-woven uh, rice baskets will be served on the side, too. Wow. On that. So this, all these baskets I get, uh, my mom will bring it in. So she visits once a year uh, for about a month, and she'll bring me uh, you know, this, these baskets and things that uh, I ask her that I need. Now, are you the cook in the family as far as the children, or are all your siblings great cooks? They're they're. Well, they're pretty darn good. You know? Yeah? Pretty, yes. My brother likes to eat. They loves, could all run restaurants? Well, I would say that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> It's the, the the I don't think they handle the stress. Right. <laughs> yeah. So how did you learn to mm-hmm. cook? Because, like, is it osmosis in a family like yours, where your mom's we, cooking every day, or my is mom's it? Cook, yeah, mom's cooking every day, and also uh, you know ants uh, ants are cooking too. And you know, you find a lot of uh, Laotian men or La- Lao men uh, they like to cook. Yeah. They they do love to cook, and especially barbecues. Yeah. So Lao barbecue is not your where you're sitting here and smoking this for hours and hours because. Traditionally, Lao, um, you know, the, we don't have a dry aging uh, technique. It's, it's basically it's it's what's killed that morning is laid in the market that day, and you got to get the the you know what you need. Otherwise, you will get the what you don't want. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, and interesting, Lindsay. The one of the things that we did this year was with Tyler Harp, and you guys have an interesting relationship. How did you? How did you both meet? So I met Tyler. Speaking of smoked meats. Yes, smoked meats, right. right. (laughs) So Tyler and I met uh, when I took over the Independence Herford House location. Mm. Uh, So he was a server, and uh, him and I just hit it off. Uh, He was always asking questions. And we always, you know, when I left, we stayed in touch. And I knew Tyler um, was always, you know, doing barbecue on the side and interested in things. But he never, I think, never took that serious until at this point where, you know, and boy, he's 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 hitting it, mm. hitting it running. He's doing a great job. You talked about you know in school the soccer was a big thing, and how how did that lead to eighteen years at the restaurant group? Where where did you come into cooking professionally? You know, I had a uh, late start. Um, you know, with I went to culinary school uh, when I was twenty four, and that's when I was doing my apprenticeship with the Hereford House out in Leewood. And you know, in the um, the standard of, of, of uh, you know, going to school for culinary, you know, 24, that's, you know, usually you're, you ought to school by then. Mm. And where did you go to school? I went to Johnson County Community College. Ah. Yes. Yeah. See? I tell you, we hear that so many <laughs> times. We'll have to, yeah. To definitely. talk to them about their. Exactly, about the program. Because they're making. Really. But they've come up, boy, what they're doing now is pretty amazing. Their whole <clears throat> kitchen facility, it's, it's, it's amazing to watch. So 24, what's between 24 and high school? Did you have a different trajectory totally? Oh, yes. Yes? Yes. And that's, you know, it's foggy at times, yes. <laughs> You're 24, yes. What did you want to do at that point? You know, it's, uh, I think what I really wanted, you know, for me, psychology was what I really wanted to do mm. first. And, um, of course, sports was always a major thing. And um, when I blew up my, uh, you know, my knee, mm. um, 
And uh, basically, it's you know, not only once, but twice. And that's when I knew it's like my, uh, my soccer days were over. Um, so just, I had to find something else, a different outlook of what, what I do next. When did that happen? Was that high school? Or was no, that... this, this, was happened, uh, this happened when I was in the, when I was 20, in my, but early, between 20 or so, around there. So were you playing yeah. at uh, school? I was playing, I, was playing you know, I, went, uh, I went to Johnson County Community College first on a soccer scholarship mm. uh, from there um, just to work on some things. Um, and so basically after the first year, um, you know, just traveling around and playing in, in regionals and um, in Arizona, uh, Texas. Finally, we came back, and uh, you know, coach said, "You know, you got a you know, scholarship offer, scholarship offer, um, you know, from you know, Division One school." And wow! But so that year, I was you know, basically you know, just practicing and you know, and blow my knee. Uh, and we hear a lot from that's a major life adjustment. You're thinking you're going to live your life as an athlete. Mm-hmm. To an injury like that, even Gordon Ramsay talked about before he became a chef, he had a career-ending sports injury that kind of led him to the culinary world. But that he identified with the discipline it takes in the kitchen and the process of cooking was the same as an athlete. Do you find that to be true? As I, as I got, yeah, you know, it took me a long time uh, to take uh, you know cooking serious seriously uh, like I should have. Um, but uh, you know, it's yeah you know, for me, I would just yeah you know, not as mature. Yeah, you know, and that's it's you know, as as time progressed, and I saw what was happening, and I was getting older, I realized you know it's time to grow up. And I think when I got married, that's when I knew it's like okay, it's really let's let's turn this around and let's uh, let's do what I need to do and, and have fun and really showcase yeah you know, what I could do. Letting and, go of one dream for another. Yeah, yeah, uh, but also the fact is just like you know leaving the leaving the partying days behind and mm. just kind of just you know let's you know let's enjoy ourselves and you know plus. I was not getting any, uh, you know, any healthier by, by the minute. So it's like, oh, let's let's change this. So. so, culinary school was that an eye opener for you? Having cooked, you know, the way your mother cooks is it this, is it similar? Is it different? I was, I was just dabbing, uh, kind of dabbing, and having fun. Um, I would have a lot of dinner parties, you know, because you're you're hanging out with your buddies, your friends, and so uh, late night people come over when I have outdoor dinner parties all the time. And um, that's how I met my wife. <laughs> we were friends. <laughs> we were friends for many years. And but you know she, yeah, you know, we had a great time. Um, and I never took it serious enough to where it's like, okay, I'm going to go to school for this. And but um, I think well, something just hit, something hit me all of a sudden. It's like, you know, you're really good at it. Let's give this a try. But I had never worked in a kitchen ever in my life, so it was an eye opener from that point. It's like, okay, this is. You can't take your time doing things. You got to get it going. Before you went to JCCC? No, this is uh, when I was going to JC, you know, Johnson County. Was it the, part of the program because you were already there? Like you were familiar yes. with soccer, so you decided to go to the culinary program. Well, there? They, and they had a good, uh, they had a good culinary uh, program. Yes. There were yeah. one at that point. There were one, uh, I think, one top five in the nation compared to the CIAs and all this stuff, and it, it's pretty amazing. Wow. Yeah, and so much more affordable. So well, yes, it's in your backyard. Exactly why not? right. Yeah, why not? I lived basically, you know, ten minutes away from there. Yeah, and but did you start out in hospitality, or or did you go right into the cooking? And I, I went straight to the cooking. Okay, yeah. went you straight did. straight into the cooking, and um, yeah, and that's that's where I've never since. What was the most surprising thing leaving culinary school to working in a restaurant? Like the biggest difference? It's it, well, you know, because uh, I basically you know with uh, within two years, I remember um, they approached me and asked me to be a chef for them. 
And so basically it's like either this and I had to focus on that or school and it's, it's like let's go with just the work because the money's there. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, the opportunity. And so uh, that kind of took my time. And, of course, you don't realize when, when, you, when you're, uh, you know, the, below the totem pole here, it's like you can be working quite a bit. Mm. So, <laughs> but yeah. work my way up and that's where, uh, you know. Holidays, kind of, weekends, yeah, nights, right. all the time. But, yeah. But as as a single you know as as a single guy it's like you you know you do it and you have fun and just you know whatever you know, just kind of just go with it. So did you have to reevaluate that when you had Champa about like you know, you know how much you wanted to be working? Well, you know, I, I, by then I was already you know uh, I was already executive chef uh, and I was already doing my schedules. But yeah, you know, myself I, I love to work. <laughs> I like to lead a team. I like to train. I like to educate. So yeah, you know, I, I would always be there. And um, just, uh, you know, help out the way I can. But yet you also impressed me that you always leave time for, you know, like mountain biking and yes. activity. You're still that's, athletic. That's You're still, right. f- I see a lot of stuff that you do with your son. So mm-hmm. how do you make that time and how do you find that balance? Well, you know, it's, it's, you find that balance. It's like, yeah, you just got to make the time. And, and the thing is being prepared, being organized. And a lot of times, uh, I, I was pretty uh, pretty organized on, in my work and how I uh, prepped up and do things. So it's yeah, you know, I, I could find the time after that. Mm-hmm. And um, so a lot of times, I would take at least uh, an hour and a half, two hours out of my day, and go mountain biking, uh, hit the trails, just kind of cleanse the mind, and you know, just get a great workout in, and come back and check on the guys. And if I need to, you know, strap my chef coat on again and get in there, I would. But a lot of times, you know, I was so far ahead of the game that it was okay that I could take those times and it's just the planning, the planning process and how we stayed ahead. Discipline. Discipline, that's right. And, He's uh, very organized, I will say, having done events with him. It's it's incredible how he comes in and everything is prepped and ready to go. He, you know, and that I think gives him the time to be very chatty. <laughs> <laughs> to enjoy the moment yes. because you're prepared I, I guess, for the moment. I guess, I which guess, is good. Yeah. I guess good. my wife, my wife does tell me it's like you know, you're you're very chatty. I went really. <laughs> I went come on. Well, you know, you are a very good ambassador for your culture's food. Let's talk a little bit about. I was learning from you. A lot of the Thai food we've been eating may have Lao influences and vice versa, and you know, how do you think yours stands out? In a city that has some really good Thai restaurants now. Well, you know, with the, with the Thai restaurants, uh, it's it, there's two different there's different styles, different regions. So you look at uh, at Pam uh, Liberta from uh, you know Bolo Thai. So she is the in the Isan, which is the uh, northern Thai. So that's got a lot of uh, you know Laotian influence or Lao influence, and um, so a lot of uh, more of a uh, country style of cooking and a lot of bold bold flavors. And it's amazing what she's doing. Um, and of course, what everybody's accustomed to is, you know, when you get down, you know, to the, you know, the middle and the southern, you, you get a little more of that, you know, what you see now in the, these Thai places. Uh, for myself, I try to incorporate more of, uh, you know, of my flavors and uh, basically designing the menus and making like uh, traditional Lao sausage, for example, um, you, know, you know, that we we do and just different things. I'm going to introduce the, uh, you know. Sinsavan, which is called the heavenly beef, it's a Lao beef jerky. Um, that's okay. it's delicious because usually that's our snack. We we eat with sticky rice and uh, with uh, it's called jail. It's our dipping sauce. So jail and jail could be anything you want. You would do a jail uh, jail bong. You could do jail uh, hit. 
Jim McLean, you know, McLean is tomato. You know, hit is the uh, mushroom. So you, you always had to dip something. Hmm. It's always nice to have. I remember going on road trips. I would always have my sticky rice in the car with my beef jerky, the loud beef jerky, and just I'd cruise along and just, you know, go, go where I'm going. Road <laughs> food. That's right. I thought this when right. Pam was talking about the northern region of Thailand last time we were talking about how landlocked and a lot of pork and a lot of – and mm-hmm. then you're talking about sausage and jerky, mm-hmm. something so familiar to this area and yet so different. Do you find customers kind of see that? They they will once uh, once they uh, have the Lao sausage and see what's all about because the flavor is unlike any other. Because um, you got the uh, you think you got the fresh lemongrass, you got the um, the golenga, you got the um, kaffir lime, you got the um, dill, and it's just the and the pepperiness of it all. It's delicious. Did you say dill? Yeah, dill. Oh. Dill's in there, and I just basically bought forty pounds of ground beef. Uh, not ground beef, but ground pork. That I'm gonna make, uh, you know, some sausages. <laughs> Dill has such a lightness, I think, like a lovely. It, it takes it up to another level. Yeah, that's the best thing about. It. Once it's cooked in there, and uh, the Lao cooking, we do uh, use a lot of dill chair in that in our uh, soups and. Wow. And cooking. That's the great thing about walking around gardens with him, is he'll say, "Ah, we use that for this," and you can start to see, you know how cross-cultural some of these ingredients are. We're using them in a different way and we're calling them different things, but... Is it the same? It makes me think of like Thai basil versus Gina basil, but it tastes very differently. Is there a different kind of dill that's used in Lao cooking than like Scandinavian cooking? Or? No, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's the same. It's the same. Yeah, it's the same. It's just doing different things? Yes, that's exactly right. Like the beef uh, we do or uh, like, it's called all. All is basically a form of stew. And you could do beef, you could do chicken, you could do whatever you like. Uh, but it's um, so it's basically simmer down, um, and instead of using flour to thick up the the the, the stock, it's basically uh, you get sticky rice, soak it, and you uh, you know, you know, mince that down, grind it down, and that's your thickening agent. Mm. You put that in, and of course everything's gonna stew in there. You got your um, fresh dill, your scallions, uh, your uh, you know, eggplant in there. Um, yeah, it's it's one of my you know another good dish, and that that will be on the menu eventually later on too. Do you use cookbooks at all? No, rarely, okay. rarely. Is uh, there a great cookbook out there that someone has done some star chef or something from the Lao perspective? I've not uh, I've not looked into that because um, a lot of times it's I just find myself if I free time I'm running around and you know that I'm always running around doing something. Be it outdoors. Mostly I'm outdoors doing something. Mm-hmm. So I don't like to be sitting around and just, you know. So you're saying you don't want to write that book? <laughs> no. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Busy. <laughs> Do you, Darn. I, I, <laughs> Do you use, and I imagine opening a, a restaurant you would need to at least use specific recipes. Did you do that growing up, or is this something you no, had to do? No, no. Yeah. And uh, there's there's uh, there's no measurement uh, <laughs> measuring tools that you use for uh, in in the Lao cooking. So a lot of times it's like when you're making uh, you know you're making rice. So your mom tells you use your finger. So the finger trick, and you know I think a lot of uh, yeah Asian people know the finger trick. What where, is it? So you you put your finger. Yeah, you know, it's it's in two one two to one ratio usually for you know when you're making rice. But you know, we use our finger, and uh, so you kind of measure it with your finger, and uh, it occurs at a certain level, and that's when you know that's okay. It's that's that's perfect. Hmm. 
So that's that's uh, I've been I've, I've shown my staff that and it's like what the, it, it works better. <laughs> so that is the official way. <laughs> that's right. right. Yeah. It works. It works better. It works. So is that? I mean, how do you teach mm-hmm. people in your employ to do what your mother's you know what your food is about? Um, if you don't have mother's recipe hanging up on the refrigerator, right? <laughs> well, you know, it's now uh, I, I got to write recipes up, and but you know, oh, there's always tweaking. Uh, we got to tweak everything here and there, um, especially because we like to make it in bulk. Mm-hmm. Now, and because you know, a lot of times when you go to a uh, a Lao house um, to eat, it's always a uh, it's a party, it's a festivity, um, and there's always food laying around. Because a lot of times with the uh, Lao culture. We're, we're, we're hardworking people, so there's people always working in factories and are, you know, there's blue-collar workers. And a lot of times they can't make it to dinner, so they we always make extra food for them to take you know, home. Their wife could take it home or they could come out late. They could come on to eat, and that's we're always going to have plenty of food. Um, you talked a little bit about how the barbecue is not a long process. Is are the recipes very labor intensive and long in that way? Or are they no, no? It's it's basically just you know. Because a lot of times, you want you want to just well with, with the stews and the and the, everything else. Yes, at some certain points, but excuse me. Um, but a lot of times it's all about the marinade and getting right char on it. And a lot of times with us, it's not about the meat falling off the bone. It's you know we we like our meat a little you know chewier, and that's until you get older, of course. That's when it's like we get the meat a little you know softer. <laughs> <laughs> and if that's just going to happen, it's going to happen to me. So, <laughs> uh, you got a lot of years yet, I think, before your teeth fall out. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know, Jill. <laughs> oh, I, I I do think so. Your your, your food is very beautiful, um, and I'm wondering if that's just because you're using such fresh and, to my eye, very you know interesting colorful. and exotic and colorful ingredients, or is or is that something that you think about the visual when you're making food? I think all the above, uh, you know, all the above uh, and the, the visual too. I, 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 I got to see it and I'm always tasting it and I'm always, you know, kind of just looking at the different perspective of how I could use something different. Um, but um, yeah, it's, I, I love, I love fresh food. I love, you know, and, and fresh food, uh, fresh food with depth mm-hmm. and flavors. So color, texture, yes, color, all of texture. that just kind of yes. happens. Most definitely. Because you're thinking of freshness. That and also I think about flavor too. Number one is always flavor. It's like, okay, and what what flavor do we want out of this? So what's the biggest disaster that you ever <laughs> came up with? I mean, you know, you thought, oh, I'm going to make this and... There's too, there's too many to, you know, <laughs> it's, it, it, ha- it happens. It happens to everybody. No, Trial and lots of yes. errors. Oh, yeah. You thought, and, yeah. And, and hey. <laughs> it's it, it is what what builds you builds your character and the, you know yeah. you've done things that you know sometimes you look back I should have done something different yeah but you learn from it as long as you learn from it and move on um, do you feel like you're putting your own spin on the food or are you being very uh, careful to make sure that it's culturally accurate it's it's both okay. both I'm definitely uh, most definitely putting my own, uh, my spin on it um, and make it unique where it's my touch. But also not taking it too far away from, uh, you know, but too far away from the culture. Uh, you know, like I say, you got a lot of eaters now that are, you know, hey, I can't have this. I can't have that. Mm. You know, gluten, vegans. So, you know, to make it really, uh, you know, truly vegan and truly gluten, you know, I, I, I change things up 
um, to where it, it fits that mold for them. Mm-hmm. But that would the, without, not be a natural part of the Lao cuisine. Yeah, with, with Lao cuisine, they, they're called they're called vegetarian, but even though it's got fish sauce in it and, and all this stuff, but so sometimes I, you know, for me, I would take that uh, the fish sauce out and put something else in there, like substitute for tamari, for example, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know, just make it you know where they're they're comfortable with it. I'm comfortable with it, but I'm always gonna have the you know my other sauces on the menu. What's your very favorite dish to make? Uh, I cannot answer that one, Jill. Sorry. <laughs> so many? Yeah. You know, it's... What to comes, eat, then. To What's eat? your very favorite to eat? What, what is your comfort food? My comfort food is always going to be, you know, uh, sticky rice with, uh, you know, with you know, the sliced beef uh, and, uh, you know, lemongrass beef and papaya salad. You know, that's, that's your traditional Lao barbecue is always sticky rice, papaya salad, and some form of, uh, you know, sliced beef, uh, lemongrass beef, for example, um, or grilled chicken. And that's, that's, you know, you're going to find that at every um, pretty much barbecue. So with that. an American wife, I'm, I'm curious, what do you guys cook as a family? You know, uh, when, when my son was you know, born, I, I did a lot, of, you know, a lot more cooking at home and kind of prepped for her and, and them um, and, and for ourselves. Um, so I would make a food that would last three days you know, each to go through, and she would have different options of what food she wanted. But but Lao food, or yeah, both, both American yeah, food, both. Yeah, it'd be you know it's you know for us we always like to switch things up, so nothing's ever boring. Mm-hmm. But these days now it's like I'm uh, a lot more busy, uh, a lot, lot lot busier, and um, so I find myself cooking uh, you know faster in- ingredients. Uh, so we do a lot of saute, uh, you know, like stir fries, and you know. You know, curries and stuff, but uh, yeah, we do American stuff too, like you know, taco nights. Yeah, you know, my son, which my son loves. Um, you know, we and we sometimes just go out to eat. Yeah, but I mean, just uh, someplace quick, easy. Um, you know, that's because uh, yeah, with eleven uh, year old now, you got so many things that you get, you know, and so many um, <laughs> projects. Well, I, yeah. I asked this because Lindsay and I both have um, sort of cross cultural households where we've got some food going on. So I have Brazilian, you have uh, Scandinavian and Swedish. And, and so like, I don't know, for me, most of that food appears for special occasions, the Brazilian food. Mm. And other than eating a lot of rice, which is, I guess, not a very Midwestern thing, um, you know, it, it, we do both, but it right. seems like the Brazilian food is the celebration food in our family. That's, I would say, fair for us. The the pickled fish and all that definitely comes out uh, Christmas. Do you like it? All that stuff. I have had it. It's celebration <laughs> food. And she says it with a smile. <laughs> uh, well, I, you know, I will. I try it often just to make sure. Yeah, because yeah, I remember, too, uh, because on my uh, the American side, my father's side, so his mother was Swedish. So we always had really? every Thanksgiving was Swedish meatballs, uh-huh. and after a while, it's like there's so many meatballs you could eat. I'm going, okay, I, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. That's right. There's a lot of it. I love a lot of it. I love. Yes, the pickled herring, and um, so I want to go back to something I know that I think a lot of people probably don't know about you if they've met you in adult life, but you had another name when you were growing up, and just I wonder how that your new identity, your finding your your roots. How that so makes you feel at this point? In every every time. Uh, I guess every uh, every Lao has a nickname. Yeah, you know? so mine was Jack. Jack meant Chinese because 
traditionally with the with the it's it's very common for um, Asian mom and dads to name their you know their newborn coming out it's like okay he looks Chinese let's call him Gek or Jick. <laughs> and my sister's name is Dui, which means fat. But Vera's not fat. But yeah, when she when she first you know came out, she's like okay she's a little pudgy. Uh, you know, my brother's name's Kek, which is uh, Indian. Um, so yeah, it's uh, that's our Lao name. So we go back, and they would call us, you know, our, our Lao names. And, but when uh, you I, were going to school, go to school. Yeah, you know, I went by. Yeah, you know, so my, my um, I remember when my my, you know, my my parents got married. My American dad, um, we became U.S. citizens, and um, we uh, he goes, what what name do you want? I just threw a name at him. I want you know, it's like I'm thinking Andy Griffin. It's like oh, just call me Andy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, of course, um, from there on, I was known as Andy, Andy Thompson, and uh, I used that all the way through high school. And at a certain point, you know, it's the, the comfort level and going back to Laos uh, to finish the story here uh, was where I, I felt, you know, that, that sense where it's like, you know, completion. And um, so that's when I, I said, you know, my name's Honorum. You know, I'm using Honorum. And, uh, you know, never look back. That's, that's what I go by. Of course, I have people come out, uh, you know, from high school still. Eighty mm. Thompson, <laughs> please use honor room. You do. You you ask them to use sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it just, just I go by honor room, mm-hmm. and yeah, they get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Finding your identity. That's right. That's right. And tasting it through your food. And still working. Still working. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's I'm a work, excited. It's always a work. It's always a work in progress, no matter what. And that's the beauty of it all. And um, I cannot wait to um, get this uh, the string hall going. I know. Really... I'm excited about this. I really am. I think it's going to be a great showcase for it'll, you. It'll be fun because we, you know, w- with this too, with the, with the string hall, we are um, capable of bringing other chefs in to do a collaboration. Mm. Uh, and uh, we have a great, um, well, they, they're going to have a great outdoor uh, food court outside. The court courtyard outside would be awesome. You could. Uh, it's about a hundred. Hundred and so plus seating or hanging out, you could, yeah. Wow. And so, for people who don't know where this is, what's the address? So, uh, if the address is, I think, yeah, seventy three thirteen Marty Lane, which is in downtown Overland Park. Mm-hmm. It's right near the farmers market. Yes. So basically, on the um, south side. And what's going to feel like when we walk inside? What's the so ambiance? The ambiance you're going to get. Six food halls, uh, food food uh, food concepts in there, um, and one coffee. You know, so that's seven altogether. Um, but yeah, it's one level, and it's a beautiful, beautifully done place. Um, so you got a, a a bar right in the center, and uh, six different, uh, seven different concepts that are just you know going to blow your mind. It's going to hmm. be amazing uh, because there's uh, yeah we we are. Um, Basically, design our own menu and doing things we want to do, and um, just taking that to where it's a different type of service. So uh, we're actually serving uh, using platewares. So we went out and picked our own uh, smallware uh, of our plates, our own designs to match our uh, concepts. Nice. Yes. So not disposable. I like that. Yes. Yes. So basically, it's going to be uh, just uh, yeah, very elevated. And so people go up to the counter and order, or yes, is it people, people, people service? People go up to the counter okay. and uh, they'll order. And it's also a, you know, it's a, we, there's no cash. So you could buy gift cards over there, and um, but it's everything's through cards. Hmm. 
um, just make the process a lot easier and uh, for everyone. And uh, so basically, it's uh, we're gonna have a uh, you know, hall monitors, you know, food runners, and um, I think they're looking at getting the pagers, or yeah, we're we're gonna basically email you or text you uh, about the pickup. Mm-hmm. But personally, I like to serve. Mm-hmm. So you probably find me mm-hmm. out there running the food out to you guys. I right, can't imagine customers. you standing behind the counter and not <laughs> yes. going out into I'm, the. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> That's interesting. You bring that up though. Last time we went to parlor, all of a sudden we we didn't realize this was a, okay. Should I order here first, or do you want to split up in each? Because mm-hmm. the beauty of a food hall is everybody can go get their own thing, right? Yes. So this will be a you can sit and have food come to you. Yes, and also oh. yeah, w- with myself, I would do a you know family style. Mm. So that's that's something uh, I, I offered, and uh, it's it's a great thing to have because you could actually try all this different variety of food and and just share food together. Do you feel a little more freedom to have some of the dishes on your menu that you might not, but you might be worried to because people can come and get just one dish from this place and one dish from this place? They're not having to. Do you know uh, what I mean? Uh, you know, I'm not too worried about. Yeah, you know, for for me, I think everything uh, everything on the menu is pretty solid. Where it's you know, it, I, I don't see you know a weakness in it. Yeah. On that, I think uh, it's something for everybody, and uh, it's also enjoyable. So I think when people you know do come in, they could order, heck, order the whole menu. You know, I'll play it up for you. I bring it out. <laughs> play it up. For you. That's right. I advise that actually, because that was the way that I first had your food, and it was it was wonderful. It was all in paper boats, and then he had a couple of platters. And we just ate and ate and ate, and he just told us how to eat it. <laughs> Not yes. bossy or yes. anything, but but just helping us and telling us stories and telling us how in Laos you would you would go ahead and eat mm-hmm. this. And everybody was a little bit scared about picking up the sticky rice with their fingers. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, by so the end, it, they were doing that's it. That's right. That's right. Because <laughs> that's, that's basically our, you know, it's our bread and butter is our, you know, the sticky rice. So it is our, 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 our bread. Well, people want to know the story with the food they're eating and the, and the right way to eat it. That's exactly right. Yeah, and 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 one thing about us is don't don't be afraid to try new things. Have fun, and it really just uh, you know, appreciate the uh, you know what the culture has to offer. What do you think, think about being in it? This is uh, Strang Hall is not the first food hall in town, and Mm-mm. we're yeah. seeing several coming down the pike. But yes. they seem to be doing well. They seem to be all right. Well, the Strang Hall, yeah, we're not open yet. Uh, we're shooting for. Um, I think next week is going to be the training, but uh, we want to make sure everything's done right, um, especially in this uh, this magnitude of what we're we're going to offer and how we're going to do it, and because it's just a different way of running, uh, a different operation. Mm-hmm. And a lot of in the middle of we talked about this on the show this morning about uh, so many things going on in downtown Overland Park right now, mm-hmm. having you know a bit of a resurgence and redevelopment, and this being part of that. Yes, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, you have to look at the you know, the apartment uh, lofts complex next door. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Edison District, which is the Strang Hall, Strang Hall is on the bottom. First Edison, Edison District would be the whole building. Mm-hmm. So basically, you know, with, with the food halls these days, it's you know, with uh, a lot of storefronts closing down, yeah, you know, there's no more shops. Yeah, you know, people you can shop online now. So why, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a little deterrent now. It's like you know, you, you can find more. Um, more usage through uh, having food in those spaces. Yeah, and I think everybody's out looking for an experience. Mm-hmm. That's a reason exactly to right. go. Right, and this creates sort of a communal experience, even if you don't know the people next to you, even if, or, you know, it's, but it's a crowded food hall. Mm-hmm. It feels 
feels good. It feels more like an experience. And you might meet somebody, somebody new and interesting, right? Or try a food that's new and interesting. That's right. So, I think the other great thing for you is knowing how much you love fresh food is having the market there. Um, so you will probably see me in the market walking around and see what I could get. Yeah. What I could use. So yes, I think all the chefs are about that too. Mm-hmm. So I mean that's 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 it's a uh, great thing to have. It's good synergy. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Well, uh, this has been a fabulous conversation. Yes. We really appreciate it, Lindsay. Did you learn just a whole bunch? About, yes. Oh yeah. my gosh, absolutely! I can't wait to taste all of this delicious food. Make sure you heat it up, though. Okay. We just, will. just a uh, no the cold box. curry. No, no cold curry. No. That's, <laughs> I don't mind, but <laughs> I recommend you guys heat it up. So. Yeah, it's going to be delicious. So we know where our lunch is. That's right. Anurum, thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. We'll see you next time.